Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 1932.org. <laughs> Radio. I'm Brian Shook. A report says the U.S. is preparing to carry out a series of strikes in Iraq and Syria in response to the attack in Jordan that killed three U.S. service members. CBS News reports the strikes will target Iranian facilities and personnel over several days. The Senate is gearing up to vote on a deal to secure the southern border and provide new military aid for Ukraine. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer today said lawmakers are close to reaching a deal. These challenges at the border and in Ukraine and the Middle East are just too great, and we will need to be here working. The bill, which could be released as early as tomorrow, will include border policy changes to stop the flow of migrants coming across the U.S.-Mexico border. At least one man described reportedly as a pro-Hamas suicide bomber stormed a U.S.-owned factory in Turkey earlier today and has taken seven hostages. Now reports say possibly two attackers are at the factory owned by Ohio-based cosmetic giant Procter & Gamble. Boeing shareholders are suing the company after a door plug blew off an Alaska Airlines flight midair. The lawsuit alleges Boeing misled investors about potential serious safety lapses. That's according to court filings. Ukraine's army chief has been fired. Lisa Taylor has more. President Zelensky has yet to make a formal announcement, but sources told CNN he's expected to soon. This would be the biggest change to his military since the beginning of Russia's invasion of Ukraine nearly two years ago. There's been a reported rift between the president and the general surrounding the Ukrainian counteroffensive's failure last year. The army chief calling the war a stalemate to The Economist magazine in November seemed to have added to that tension. I'm Lisa Taylor. Tesla is being sued by 25 California counties for allegedly mishandling hazardous waste throughout the state of California. You're listening to the latest from NBC News Radio. K C A A. And now, the voices of KCAA with an exciting announcement. Want to hear NBC News or KCAA anywhere you go? Well, now there's an app for that. KCAA is celebrating 25 years and our silver anniversary with a brand new app. The new KCAA app is now available on your smart device, cell phone, in your car, or any place. Just search KCAA on Google Play or in the Apple Store. One touch and you can listen on your car radio, Bluetooth device, Android Auto, or Apple Car. Catch the KCAA buzz in your earbuds or on the streets, celebrating 25 years of talk, news, and excellence with our new KCAA app. Just do it and download it. KCAA, celebrating 25 years.
Was your car involved in an accident or just need help with dents? All Magic Paint and Body Collision Centers, in business for over 30 years. Their highly trained staff and certified technicians and friendly staff are the best in the business and treat each car as if it was their own. All Magic Paint and Body Collision Centers are family-owned and offer state-of-the-art equipment and tools to ensure optimum results. They use the latest technology in computerized color matching and specialize in frame repairs. With their modern laser measuring systems, they're OEM certified, and they have four locations to serve you. All Magic Paint and Body Collision Centers offer rental car assistance with free drop-off and pickup services, too, and their work has a lifetime guarantee. All Magic Paint and Body Collision Centers are in Norco, Eastvale, Marino Valley, and in Fontana. Call them at 1-800-61-MAGIC. That's 1-800-61-MAGIC. All Magic Paint and Body Collision Centers. 1-800-61-MAGIC. All Magic Paint and Auto Body says drive carefully. Lauren SP Century 21 Masters reminds listeners that a family pet is a year-round commitment. Proper care includes regular checkups, vaccinations, dental care, spays, and neuters along with flea, tick, and heartworm preventions. This reminder is brought to you by Lauren SB Century 21 Masters, reminding everybody pets are people too. Lauren from Century 21 Masters goes the extra mile to keep all her clients happy. Put her 15 years of experience to work for you and call her today at 951-623-695. That's 951-623-6955. That's Lauren Espy, Century 21 Masters, on the air because they care. Miss your favorite show? Download the podcast at kcaaradio.com. KCAA. Live and in color from the NBC News Radio Broadcasting Studios of KCAA, 10.50 a.m., 102.3 FM, and 106.5 FM, located in beautiful Southern California and in parallel from the Turfs Up Radio Studio in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thanks for tuning in to the Water Zone Show this evening. Hey, a pleasant afternoon and evening and morning wherever you are in the world. Welcome. Uh, we appreciate all the Water Zone followers. Uh, good afternoon. Hope everybody's having a good day today. Uh, I know Mr. Chris Davey was fighting the rain this morning, and I, I guess he turned out uh, okay, right, Chris? Yeah, we're okay, buddy. I mean, uh, this is the first of a one-two shot that's coming into um, the West Coast, northern, central, and southern California, although the second shot is aimed pretty much directly at Southern California, anywhere from Point Conception south down to San Diego and northern Mexico, actually. And it's the, you know, the colloquial uh, atmospheric river or arc that's, uh, uh, that's heading our way. So we had a pretty good soaking overnight, and we're going to have a couple of um, dry out days, Friday and Saturday, and uh, half a day Sunday. And then it's supposed to hit for three to four days in a row, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We're getting ready. Oh. Might be tying up the boat in Idaho. <laughs> Good idea. Well, let's bring the other Chris in, because Ms. Austin knows what's going on in her part of the, the world there in California. Chris, what do you see? Well, uh, we had some rain yesterday. It was fairly heavy. 
and uh, uh, but today was uh, pretty nice. Uh, but we're we if clouds rolling in and the uh, rain is expected to pick back up, I think tonight or tomorrow for us here. Um, but we'll see. We had a couple of real warm days at the beginning of the week, warm enough that all the mosquitoes came out. And we had a day where if <laughs> even made the news, everyone was getting bit by mosquitoes. But I think they're all gone now when the temperatures yeah. dropped. But that's the story well, of this winter is warm temperatures and not a lot of snow but rain. Yeah, so Sierra's didn't see any, hardly any of this, did they? Um, they saw some, you know, but, you know, it's, what, what we really want to see is feet of snow and there hasn't been a lot of storms that have come through that have dumped feet of snow occasional ones but you know a foot or two but uh not some really big ones so um you know uh we i think the snow survey on tuesday was 54 percent statewide you know half of half of average for this time so uh, we're not looking very good in the in the snow uh, department here, so we may be looking at. If not, I wouldn't say it's going to be a rough summer, but uh, I don't think that uh, the people that manage water are going to let as much go out of the reservoirs if it's a dry year um, than they would have prior to these last deep droughts. Uh, there's as a policy, they're trying to hang on to more carryover storage because uh, when if it gets dry and you get a drought and you run out your reservoirs, <laughs> that's a that's not a good thing. We've so, talked uh, several uh, times about how different the way that water is being delivered to California underneath <clears throat> under the new climate uh, scenario that we're all living in today. So I did read on Maven's notebook that. They're thinking about or of spillway releasing water in the Oroville Dam. Um, oh, so are you referring to that or 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 what? Uh, I mean, I I understood it to be in preparation for the coming you know atmospheric rivers. Well, yeah, uh, the large reservoirs. Actually, most of the reservoirs in California are dual operation. They have two two jobs to provide flood control and to store water. And in the wintertime, those two things are kind of in conflict. Uh, so we have to operate the reservoirs to what they call flood curves. So that's keeping them low enough so that they can catch a big bunch of precipitation should, should it come in. And so, yeah, we had to release water out of Oroville. We've had to release water out of Shasta. And that's to make room for these potentially incoming storms. Now, one thing that they're trying to do, you know, we've had a lot of uh, research on these storms, atmospheric rivers. We used to call them Pineapple Express. But now yeah. we know there are these rivers of vapor that come over from the tropics and they just inundate us. Um, and so if they were very unpredictable for uh, for the meteorologists, but... Um, Scripps Oceanography opened up a center for uh, what they call the Center for Western Weather Water and Ex Western Western Water and in, in Weather Extremes or something like that. CW3E 
And they have been studying atmospheric rivers. They've done a number of things. They have created a scale. So you can, uh, kind of, kind of similar to a hurricane, you can predict how much water, how impassable this storm could be. And they have really worked to determine, uh, if they can more concretely figure out where those atmospheric rivers will make landfall. They're still a little, they can still be very unpredictable. There was one, uh, one day last year where, uh, they, all the news media were like, do not travel on this day. And I had to drive down from Chico to the Bay Area to help my sister because she was coming out of surgery. So I had to travel on that day, but there was, there were just, you know, they're telling you, don't do it, don't do it. And I get on the road and the road signs, you know, that light up over the freeways are don't travel today if you don't have to kind of stuff. And um, I traveled all the, way, all the way down to the Bay Area without a drop of water because the storm that they thought was going to hit Northern California veered off and hit the Central Coast. And that's when they had the flooding in Pajaro and the crew and the pier in Santa Cruz that got destroyed and all that. But uh, so they still remain kind of unpredictable. Uh, so figuring out how to more accurately pinpoint where they will make landfall has been a big focus. And they have, you know, we've really come uh, quite a long way. And they have managed to uh, create rules now for two reservoirs, one in Northern California in Sonoma and one in Southern California at Prado Dam, uh, showing how we can leverage these the better forecasting skills to hold more water in if the storms coming in are not going to be that big. And so this is going to help add to water supplies uh, because, you know, it will be able to hold on to more water. Uh, you just have to be so very careful because when it comes to reservoirs and flood control, you don't want to be wrong because being wrong and losing a dam means billions of dollars of damage and probably hundreds of lives depending on where that dam is. Um, and a lot of people live below dams in California. There's 1,200 of them, you know, so there's wow. plenty of dams around. So, you know... So you have to get it right, but we're we're working on that, and and that is something that shows a, a lot of hope, I think, for you know increasing our water supply and maintaining. I think it. for sure, Chris. That you know, I mean, you said a lot right there, right? Every storm is so different; it's it's unique. You know, they're warm. Some of them are cold. Some of them are wet. Some of them are dry. Some of them are windy. You know, all the other stuff that's that's happening but um back to the snow just a little bit because i was just i just struck me on a on a headline that was on maven's notebook that said california is in a snow drought right yeah, um, is, yeah. is that just i mean so chris is that just a colloquialism or or is that uh you, you know well, I mean, you, you said we're at 54 percent, and i can see it's real but we're only we're only on february 1st Right, so we got a ways to go. Well, yes, definitely. And again, it's not what's on the ground now; it's what's on the ground come the end of March or April. Uh, but 
the term snow drought is referring to- Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. To our diminishing snowpack, these warmer storms, you know, we're getting more rain uh, and less snow. And this is really why we need to kind of rethink how our water infrastructure, because with set up now for snow in the mountains. So, you know, a reservoir like Oroville is only useful in, to the point that there's snow up above it that uh, that's going to melt down and come into the reservoir. Um, and the flood control benefits that it provides as well. But if, without that snow, Oroville's not going to see nearly as much water and it's going to make these rim dams as we call them much less useful if there's not snow up above them so you know that's why there's a lot of talk about uh well two things you know having having a reservoir that or or water storage space that you can put this water into um and also groundwater recharge the problem is with groundwater recharge, I mean, it's great. You can get as much water sinking into the earth as possible. That's great. But at a time when rain is coming down everywhere, um, uh, groundwater basins fill up. You know, the, the recharge basins fill up. And there's a limited capacity to get that much water moved around into the system. Uh, so you really kind of need to have uh, some kind of storage uh, beyond just groundwater recharge in order to capture this. And this is the premise that this new reservoir called Sites Reservoir, um, you know, there it's, it's not a rim dam. They're going to build this uh, dam in a valley uh, where they're going to build the reservoir. Build, it's not one dam. It's actually like where they have to go into this valley and sort of build up the sides to make the bowl. And then they're going to put pump water up to that reservoir and then take it out when when they're you know when it's needed. And this is the kind of project that our science seems to be saying we need to do, one that can capture these rains that fall uh, more so than the snow. Oh, Does that make sense? Yep. Does to me. Hey, I, I also read that you, you heard it about the commissioners are discussing what to do if a uh, storage project is not re- not progressing. Yeah, you what, know, we... What, 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 I was going to say, what, what are they going to... What can they do about it? <laughs> that's what they're kind of talking about. Um, but, you know, they... These, the, these projects that were selected by the Water Storage Investment Program, it's called, and this is the funding that was given from Prop 1 in, in 2014. Um, these projects were selected when they were in their, sort of in their pre-planning stages, I guess you could even say, 
Um, no, they were none of them were really near construction, um, and it, that's because these are very expensive projects that take a long time to build. And if you're going to provide funding, you, you need to find your funding very early on to make sure there's a reason to incur all the design and, and all of that stuff. So um, they these projects have received what they call an early funding award, which is 5% of, of their full award. That kind of helps with the permitting costs and everything. And then they, they have some more uh, statutory requirements that they have to satisfy before they get their final funding award. So, you know, so the, the question is what happens if they have a project that can't be completed? And there is um, a project that kind of seems to be in question uh, about whether they're going to ever get this project done. So the commissioners were having just a discussion, you know, like what are we going to do in the case of? Um, and how much discretion do we, you know, do we have? And it, and yes, the thing is, if the project isn't going to go forward at some point, the commission can pull the plug. So, yeah. but nothing is happening along those lines yet. There's, like, say, there is a project that they're raising their eyebrows about, but um, that doesn't mean that it's failing at this time. So it's something just to be watched. Okay. I know, I know you and Chris, uh, I, I want you guys to talk about this. I mean, you're talking about do something with something with uh, saving salmon. I know something that uh, Chris Davies interested in. <laughs> yeah, Chris Davies, our fisherman, yeah. Now, Newsom oh. put out a plan for uh, saving uh, salmon, you know, to help, to help the salmon populations. And uh, he's getting behind tearing down the dams, like the Klamath Dam, also the Potter Valley project on the Eel River is another dam that they're thinking about taking down. Um, you know, improving fish passage, um, some flows, some, you know, modernize the hatcheries, uh, certain things. And uh, salmon advocates say there's a lot of good stuff in there, but, of course, there are always critics. And uh, some of some of that is that they don't think there's enough flow in there uh, that they need to be concentrating on flows. And this is a you know this is a strategy that looks at a lot of habitat re restoration and fish passage and you know tear down dams and stuff. And there I mean there is flow in there, but I think the general feeling is it's not enough. Oh. No. It's a good thing, but you know, so we move from the fish to agriculture, and I know that uh, a question came up. You know, will a shrinking Colorado River reduce, you know, the, the produce aisle? <laughs> well, kind of yeah, actually, they, actually, the term they used was, shri was shrivel. But uh, so we go from one extreme. We try to save one thing, and then we got to worry about agriculture. And agriculture, I, I would assume, believe that it's a whole lot more valuable to California than the salmon run. Am I, am oh, I no. Uh, yeah, I, I would not agree with that, actually. You know, salmon oh, okay. is important, and it's economically important to, to a lot of people. We have commercial fishermen. We have recreational fishermen like Chris Davy there over there. He likes to go out and go and go fishing. 
you know, and fish are just part of the landscape here, and our salmon are in bad shape, and so I I don't think that we really want to just give up on them. And oh no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that. I, I think that is important, but you know, but, you know, they spend money for that, but then on the other end, they're they're yakking at uh, the farmers about using water to grow crops. Well. Yeah, but that's on the Colorado River, and the Colorado yeah. River is, uh, you know, there it it has a problem. There's, you know, too much water going out of those reservoirs and not enough water going in. So, yeah. you know, the the question is, and it's a hard question, I think. It's but you have like the Imperial Valley, which in the winter time, uh, so much of the vegetables and fruits that you see in the in the produce aisle are actually out of the Imperial Valley. It's just, you know, it's a great temperate time in the, you know, in the valley and they grow a lot of stuff there. Um, you know, but we need, we need to do better on water use in Colorado. I'm working on a talk that Jeff Keitlinger gave the former general manager of, uh, Metropolitan WD, Water District. And, he said that on the Colorado River, the lower basin states, that's Arizona and Nevada and California, are, need to cut in, in 2026 the equivalent of uh, California's um, portion of metropolitan, the, the amount metropolitan uses for a whole year. I mean, I think it's like a, a million acre feet or something. Uh, it, it's it's synonymous, equal to the water use in Southern California for a year. And most of the water goes to California. A healthy chunk goes to Arizona. Um, hardly anything goes to Nevada. So, you know, that's pretty much going to have to come out between, uh, you know, California and Arizona's allocation. And uh, this is going to be tough. I, You know, it, it does mean less agriculture, um, you know, efficiency can only get us part of the way there. There's just, we just need to be using less water. And it is going to mean, um, you know, hits to agriculture. I don't see any other, any way, other, any other way. Oh, maybe we should, they should decide to do different kinds of rebates for the farming industry more than residential. Well, you know, ur- urban water use is just is just a, a fraction of what agriculture uses. So right. the the amount that can you know that urban people can conserve is not enough to mean that agriculture won't. I mean, it, no, everyone no, is going to have to take hits. No, I, I I totally agree. I just think that. You know, we, we, we talked about this once before from uh, a meeting at the CII, CII that uh, if they put re- special rebates out for farmers with the amount of property that they own, uh, they could save a whole lot more money than they did giving rebates to the urban people. But I don't yeah. set those rules. That's just, that's just my opinion. That doesn't mean anything. So. Well, you know, there are there are a lot of programs uh out there that try that are working on the agriculture um you know for water efficiency. Uh DWR has a sweep. 
Um, you know, so there are programs out there in uh, the National Natural Resources Conservation Service puts out there. So there is money out there uh, to help with uh, with efficiency. But again, uh, it's it, it's going to take more than it for agriculture, more than just being more efficient. I mean, there's just not enough, even with efficiency, that to sustain things at the level they are today. Well, so that doesn't course, mean Duncan, going away side, forever. Are any events coming up? I know that at the end of February, mm-hmm. I, Rob was just mentioning the CII. I don't know if you were referring to the California Irrigation Institute, Rob, but their conference yes. is at, at the end of the month. Uh, Chris, are you going to that? I actually am. I'm planning on it. Uh, They have some interesting uh, things that they'll be talking about. Uh, Michael Anderson, the state climatologist, is set to speak. Uh, They have a speaker on um, uh, NASA and remote sensing. And they have a session on uh, AI. Which should be AI interesting. and big data, as they as they call it, right? But yeah, I'm, yeah. You know, I'd be interesting. I'd be interested in listening because they've got they've got one of the presentations called "Adapting to Extremes." Kind of everything we were talking about just in the pre, in the you know previous twenty twenty five minutes we've been talking. So uh, I hope they record that and, and uh, the CII makes it available. But but uh, good luck with that, Chris. And one more question for you, Rob, since you're up in Colorado, in Denver right now at the Pro Green Expo. How's that going for you? Oh, it's going really good. They said the attendance was uh, very big. Uh, I, I interviewed the uh, the gentleman who was putting that on and responsible for it, and uh, they were very happy with what they see. A lot, of, a lot of attendance. They said it was more than it has been in the last couple of years. Um, an interesting question that I always ask, you know, if, if they were in charge of water, what's the, one, the first thing they would do to fix the problem? And, and everybody that I talk to here, believes that education is the top thing they need to do telling everybody about water and things that we talk about on the show um, yeah they say there's a lot of information that needs that people need to know about in here and yeah that was that was the number one answer to many many of the people I, I talked to probably about six people uh, that I interviewed uh, uh, yesterday and that was uh, they all all that goes the same thing so I guess that's the right thing uh, Ms. Austin uh, we have somebody that I know you know uh, who works with you on, on uh, Maven Snowbook who's going to be doing something. I didn't know if you would like to stay for a few more minutes on the show and, <clears throat> and maybe uh, say, say hi to, uh, to Justin. Sure, absolutely. All right, great. Uh, so we're going to take a little break. We'll be back with our featured guests, and, uh, and they have a relationship, a business relationship together with Maven Snowbook, and we, we want to be very happy to uh, announce that tonight. Now, let's actually, I'm going to let Chris do that. So, uh, and, and, and I, I opened it up to either Chris. So, well, probably <laughs> Chris Austin. Probably Chris Austin. This is her thing. So, we'll be right back uh, just a moment. So, stick around and uh, we'll be here. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? 
a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The news on KCAA Loma Linda, sponsored by Teamsters Local 1932, protecting the future of working families, Teamsters1932.org. Pros like you come to Site One Landscape Supply to stock up on supplies like this. Maybe a little of that too. While you're here, you can grab a few tons of this. And maybe a few hundred of these. Throw in some of these guys, a case of those, and some of that new stuff you just heard about. And you can get everything you need in one place. If you have questions about when to apply this, or how to install that, we keep every location well stocked with green industry pros who have the answers you need. One-stop shopping. It's just one of the reasons landscape pros stock up at Site One. Water is one of the biggest expenses for communities, HOAs, universities, golf courses, and resorts. So keeping those costs under control, especially when rates are increasing while water supplies are being reduced, are often essential to a customer's survival. Managing water requires multiple skills, which is why it's been complicated and difficult until now. AquaTrack brings multiple skills and technologies together to help large system users conserve outdoor water and improve the health of their landscapes. AquaTrack's professionals are certified landscape water managers and certified landscape irrigation auditors. The company offers audit services, upgrade advice, technical expertise, and water use monitoring. We already manage irrigation water for the largest homeowner associations in Arizona, and we're prepared to bring our knowledge and experience to help others, including landscapers and designers. Give us a call and hear how AquaTrack saved one HOA some 430 million gallons of water and $200,000 in annual water expenses. AquaTrack is Arizona-based, and you can reach us at 623-594-8689. That's 623-594-8689. Five nine four eight six eight nine K C A A. Oh gosh, I have to stop dancing. I never get to stay past the break, so I didn't know how funky your music was there. Was. <laughs> was having some fun. Yeah, you know, yeah. 
I got started in the whole water thing because I read a book. I read The Cadillac Desert, and that just, like, whetted my appetite for all of this water stuff. And I think that's um, a a place where a lot of people kind of get introduced to water. And there are just so many books out there. So uh, one of my uh, readers, Justin Scott Coe, approached me and asked if I would be interested in him writing some book reviews. And it just kind of turned into um, me creating this page for Justin so he can do book reviews and podcasts and and talk about uh, all the books that are out there and which ones are really worth your time. I'm really excited about it. I think it's a great addition to the website. So I'm excited uh, to share it with you. And, um, you know, uh, welcome, Justin, to Maven's Notebook and the water zone. I am thrilled to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. You're very welcome. And for our audience, Chris is the general manager of Land Fish for Water in California. And uh, we're very, we, we've known him for several years. I think that's probably close to 15, 20 years for me. And uh, he's a great guy. And, and tell us your thoughts on how you got started doing this. Well, I, I, I kind of uh, was thinking about how to really make myself uh, read the books that I've been collecting for so long. Uh, I'm a bit of a bookish guy, an unreformed English major, and I, uh, uh, you know, I like to you know, collect books and, and try to get to read them, and, uh, and I wasn't getting there. So I was thinking, well, what, what could I do? Well, first, I can have my board of directors you know, tell me to you know, start you know, writing something. And then I was thinking, well, how can I make myself read these books? Well, I could write some book reviews, and who would, who possibly could publish book reviews? And so I approached Chris, and she very graciously uh, uh, agreed. And so uh, the water shelf was kind of born. <laughs> so it's quite so. So you so you mix this in now with your 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 general work, correct? Yeah. Well, it's yeah, it's it's a bit of an add-on. Uh, my my water district uh, is is very kind, but uh, they they hire me to provide a, a retail and wholesale water service uh, to the great residents of this, uh, of Montclair and the Chino Valley. Uh, but this is kind of part of my my own thing, but also part of the broader uh, conversation about water that we're all part of. I have one question, then I'm going to turn it over to Chris Davy. So you mentioned your English major, so so. So when you were born, there wasn't anything stamped on your butt saying that you're going into the water business. How did you get here, and what made you? What drew you to that? No, in fact, that's a lot. I, I've noticed that more and more when I talk with people in the water industry of how many diverse pathways uh, we take in getting into water. Uh, my pathway: I was uh, working uh, on a PhD in English over here at Claremont Graduate University, and an email came through the uh, student listserv looking for a technical writer. I was teaching part-time at the time and, and heard technical writers uh, uh, could, could make some decent money. And so uh, I ended up getting hired by this uh, a private consulting firm, uh, uh, Integrated Resource Management, also in Claremont. And that got me into the water field. And I met some uh, uh, local water managers through the uh, local wa- uh, adjudication process. And uh, when a position opened up in one of the agencies, turns out to be Monta Vista Water, uh, I applied for it, got it, and worked my way up. Wow. Well, I'm going to let another alumnus 
Claremont uh, ask you some questions. Mr. Chris Davey. Okay, <laughs> thanks. I appreciate that, Rob. And Justin, welcome to the Water Zone, man. Glad to have you on. Oh, I'm so thrilled to be here. I'm a big fan. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you and I have something in common. I'm also an alumni of um, Claremont Graduate University, but I went there, Justin, when it was CGS. Claremont Graduate School. Yeah. Yep. Back back in the back in the nineteen eighty. Yeah, so we'll leave it at that. <laughs> well, Chris, Chris, so let Chris me, I thought you were I thought you were thirty two years old. You told me. Uh, yes, that's right. So as long as we never meet, that's a, that'll we'll keep that lie going. Um, you got it. Uh, the fact that I've just retired should tell you something, Rob. So you know. Uh, so Justin, let me let me ask you this because we got we've got some. Um, engaged listeners here and so why don't you why don't you tell us about uh first of all about uh, you've told us about yourself but so tell us now about monte vista water district maybe you know kind of go over the service area your customer tr- uh, types you know that kind of thing and we'll and and we'll take it from there sure i did i'd love to monte vista water district uh, is a relatively small but mighty uh a water district county water district at the west end of san Bernardino county in california uh, we serve the city of Montclair, uh, portions of the city of Chino, and some unincorporated areas there, about 10-square-mile service area, primarily residential, uh, but with some com- uh, commercial uh, and industrial customers and agricultural customers and nursery customers as well. So pretty diverse customer base, uh, but primarily residential. We also provide wholesale service to the city of Chino Hills, uh, providing from about a third to a half of their water supply at a wholesale level. So roughly about 130,000, 125,000, 130,000 total uh, uh, population for served, both retail and wholesale. Uh, our retail side, a direct service uh, directly to the end-use customer, uh, maybe about 57,000 uh, con- uh, uh, population and about 12,000 connections, 12,500 connections. All right. As, a, as I am familiar with most of the water agencies around uh, the local area here, being a Claremont resident myself, Justin. Um, I'm assuming that if you can kind of tell our, our listeners a little bit about uh, where you get your water from, what the sources are, I'm assuming that it's probably, you know, a good chunk of it, two-thirds, three-quarters percent groundwater, and the rest is as imported. Am I close? You're very close. Uh, sometimes it can be closer to half and half, but that's roughly uh, the distribution. Uh, we're, uh, along with the uh, Golden State Water Company to provide service to the city of Claremont, uh, we are a producer party in the Chino Groundwater Basin, and uh, we have uh, adjudicated rights there for groundwater, uh, and we have a large amount of facilities, uh, production wells, treatment plants, in order to uh, avail ourselves of that uh, groundwater resource, a wonderful groundwater resource, very vital to our area. Uh, we supplement that with imported water from Northern California. We own a imported water treatment plant that takes in imported water uh, from the state water project managed by the Department of Water Resources, uh, delivered through Metropolitan Water District of Southern California and their member agency, Inland Empire Utilities Agency. And then yeah. we have a joint powers authority called Water Facilities Authority owned by the dis- my district as well as the cities of Ontario, Chino, Chino Hills, and Upland. And we treat that imported water and deliver it to ourselves. We also have uh, additional supplies from San Antonio Water Company. We are uh, a shareholder in that uh, uh, company, which is one of the oldest water suppliers in the region. Um, and we also distribute non-potable recycled water in partnership 
with Inland Empire Utilities Agency and the city of Montclair. Well, you told us a little bit about your customer base, Justin, and I'm just, I, you know, I'm just con, uh, interested to know about, um, you know, kind of the mix of your uh, of your customers. How much is residential? How much are, are industrial or or you know things like schools and cemeteries, parks, churches, hospitals, that kind of stuff. Can you kind of give us a, a view of what your mix of customer base is? Sure. We're primarily residential, about 80 to 90 percent, 80 percent single family uh, and, uh, and some also a sizable number of multifamily uh, uh, customers. Uh, we do have some uh, commercial areas that we uh, provide service to as well as some industrial areas. Uh, uh, commercial, uh, you know, Montclair Plaza uh, and the businesses uh, in that area. Uh, uh, it, it's kind of a, a commercial uh, zone uh, to the north of the 10 freeway. Um, and also uh, some large open space areas in the unincorporated southern portion of our service area uh, where there's a large number of nurseries, uh, and so they, they're also large water users. Awesome, and I know, I know Rob, Rob takes a terrible risk when he gives me the, the mic to ask questions because I'll go on and on, but I'll ask one more, Justin, <laughs> before, before I hand it back to, uh, to Rob because I know, I know Rob's got some uh, questions about, you know, your conservation, your education and outreach and all that kind of stuff. And I'd, I'd love to hear about that. But um, you mentioned sure. earlier that, that, that you guys, that uh, Monte Vista Water District, you've got a pretty close relationship with uh, with Chino Basin Water Conservation District, their WaterWise Community I Center do. and all that stuff. Kind of tell us about that uh, uh, that relationship. I'm so glad you raised that. Uh, they are an incredibly strong uh, partner for us and other uh, local agencies, a wonderful regional partner and friend uh, to the district. The Chino Basin Water Conservation District formed roughly in the 50s uh, in order to ensure that the water resources that are local could be conserved for local use. And conservation back then was really about capturing, storing, and ensuring that water is appropriately managed, local water. So they, uh, they uh, uh, own and, and run a, a number of percolation basins that are able to capture local stormwater, slow it down, and allow it to percolate into the ground. That helps to recharge our local groundwater resource. And basically, uh, you know, the way I'd like to say is they put the water in, we take the water out. Uh, so they're just a tremendous partner. They also have an incredibly robust water conservation program. So they've expanded conservation from the 50s definition to what we think of in conservation as far as uh, demand management, uh, how to appropriately <clears throat> use water wisely and efficiently. And they have a, uh, uh, they have a wonderful conservation uh, center. They have staff who are experts in using water efficiently. They have a demonstration uh, 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 garden that is really targeted towards how people actually use landscapes in their uh, residential and commercial properties. And so they actually have demonstration plots. It's a beautiful uh, garden if anyone is ever in the Montclair area. And uh, we work very closely together with the conservation district to serve the, uh, the our mutual constituents. Rob and I have, have both been there. Uh, we used to attend, we haven't in the last couple of years, Rob, but we used to attend uh, the, the conservation event that they had uh, every year. We went there on behalf of uh, Toro, um, you know, showed our wares and, and did some uh, some classes on uh, efficiency, uh, nozzles and uh, pressure regulation, spray heads, that, that sort of stuff. So so familiar with it. And of course, I just revealed to you where 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 I live. Um, and so I'm very I'm very close there. We've had a couple of their guys on our show before, Brandon Burgess, for example, and. Um, uh, 
and and some others. So yeah, I agree with everything you said. Uh, they they must be a great partner for, uh, for you uh, for sure. They yeah. certainly are, and there's lots of different partners, lots of different organizations from the cities to the districts, uh, different types of districts. Uh, our municipal water agency partners, metropolitan water district. Uh, it's a it's it's a collective effort to provide reliable water service. Well, it's a good way to go. You, like uh, like Chris said, we've been there many times over the years, uh, giving training sessions on smart controllers and things of that sort. Chris doing hydraulic things, and uh, it was wonderful. Let me let me take it away from there a little bit, go into the, the the book things. I can tell you over, you know, our shows, a little shy of five hundred shows that we've done up to date. And we've had quite a bit of very notable authors, especially in the water, because our show's about water, uh, come on. And they give us, they usually send a book to us ahead of time to read. And sometimes I wish they have cliff notes, because sometimes they write a lot of really thick books. <laughs> you try to rush to get through them. You, know, you, get, you get the book two days before the show, or sometimes the day of the show. We've had a couple of those. And you try to skim, you skim through it as quick as you can. And, 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 but then i got to wind up reading it all over again just to get the full intent. So tell, tell us some of the books that you've read and, and, and from who and which ones you kind of uh, navigate to. What kind of pulls you of, of the types of uh, water books? Well, there's a tremendous variety of water books out there. And uh, when uh, Chris and I uh, were conceptualizing the water shelf, uh, we wanted to start with just kind of a top 10, and I couldn't limit it to 10, so she allowed me the top 20 uh, water books, and I tried to make it a kind of a diverse uh, collection of the different types of water books out there. Uh, I, I would say that the book that really uh, ca- came out just recently that ins- frankly inspired this effort, uh, uh, Three Ages of Water by Peter Gleek. Uh, this, it, it's an amazing book that just came out. Uh, we public- That was my first book review, and he'll actually be my first uh, podcast uh, interviewee. I'm going to interview him uh, tomorrow, actually. Uh, record an interview, and I'm really excited, actually very nervous, because he's a, kind of a rock star in the water world. Um, so uh, an amazing book. Uh, I just received uh, a new book uh, by David Sedlak called Water for All, Global Solutions for a, Cli- a Changing Climate, just out, hot off the press, and uh, I'm looking forward to both reading the book, hopefully reviewing it, and also uh, I've uh, scheduled a time to record, record a podcast with him, so also incredible. Uh, you heard Chris at the very beginning talk about Cadillac Desert. It's not just the books that are coming out now, but there's an, a tremendous historical literature about water. And I would say that was the first book on the top 20 because it's just one of those books that really shaped the narrative and shaped the, the perspective. And, and not for everybody agrees with the book. It's a very opinionated book as well. Uh, but it really uh, tells you a lot from an opinionated perspective of how water developed in the American West. And it's a book that's really a touchstone uh, for this sp- talking about water, particularly in the Western United States. There's well, also see, many other books. I, 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 stop, stop me when you want to. But one more book I would no, no, like no, no, to I mention. Gonna, I was just, just going to tell you that. Say hi to Peter. He's been on our show before. I, it doesn't surprise me. I, I will definitely do that. I'll, I'll give him greetings. Um, another Great. book that came out relatively recently, The Dreamt Land, Chasing Water and Dust Across California by Mark Arax. Just an amazing book as well. Uh, focused on the agricultural heritage of water. And I think you guys were talking about this earlier in the radio show. Just an amazing book, very personal, uh, uh, evocative, um, and, uh, but also comprehensive 
in reviewing uh, how water developed in California, particularly from that agricultural point of view. Uh, but let me just say, there's other types of books. There's there's uh, there's water thrillers that are out there. I, I added one of those to the top 20, but there's others that I've discovered uh, that I'd like to review. Uh, uh, and uh, there, there's uh, uh, water opinion pieces. There's economic books on water. Uh, there's water quality books focused specifically on quality, in particular uh, Troubled Water by Seth Siegel, as well as uh, uh, a book by the name of someone you probably recognize, Aaron Brockovich, uh, Superman's Not yep. Coming, an amazing book on, on water uh, quality. So just a lot of great books out there. Uh, we, uh, Chris and I are uh, record, pre-recording Seth Siegel, I think it's Tuesday, is that correct, Chris? Tuesday, next Tuesday. Yeah. And he's been on several times before, and uh, so yeah, you're you're in the you're you got the right people. I can tell you that, and this should be very interesting. And and let us know about your podcast. Where where can people uh, get that from? Well, we're just I'm just getting started now. Um, I'm going to do my first recording tomorrow. I've got a few others uh, lined up. Uh, and uh, I'm really excited about and, and nervous. I'm learning from you guys, your pros. Uh, this will be my first time doing anything like this. Uh, but uh, hopefully we'll get a uh, we'll get some uh, good recordings and uh, post those. Uh, they'll basically be focused on uh, authors uh, and, and 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 their books. But uh, hopefully eventually we expand it to also include academics, uh, other reviewers of, of of books, even your yourselves if you're interested and come in and talk about your experience with water literature. I'd love that. Uh, so uh, you know it's a it's a podcast idea that's just getting started. Good, good. Well, you know, you talk about the pros. The pros are Chris Austin and Chris Davey, and I appreciate both of them. They help. They super help make this show, our show, very good, and I appreciate that from both of them. So, and they know that. And uh, and I've known you for quite a few years, and I'm glad to see that you've worked your way up. And, and you've done. I, I always thought you were going to be the guy anyway, and you did it. So <laughs> I'm proud of you. Glad I knew you went, and I'm glad I know you now. Oh. Um, Let's, let's just get back to your your water agency thing, and uh, uh, just real quick. So, uh, you do a lot of public education and outreach, and what do you do for the rebates? And how did you see them as being effective, so effective as it was when you guys were giving out uh, free controllers, free sprinkler nozzles, and, and all that kind of stuff? Did, did it make a difference? Did you really see people grab it into it and, and understand it? I was there training a few times. Talking on a weekend to the people, but you see the results of that. How how did that come out for you guys? Well, I I think it's it, it's an, it, I mean you you often hear this, but a very much an all of the above effort. Uh, the rebates are a good component of that, but I wouldn't say they are just the it, it, even the top component of a comprehensive water you know water efficiency, water management, water conservation uh, program. Uh, very important uh, to get people introduced and to kind of push them over the line towards purchasing the best technology, and the rebates really help do that. Uh, also, for those who still couldn't uh, maybe afford the best technology, say for irrigation, uh, we have uh, direct installation programs, and sometimes those are even targeted uh, in, in terms of income qualified for those who would have a hard time uh, affording uh, the best te- uh, technology to help use water efficiency efficiently on their landscapes. Obviously, before that, we had... Uh, toilet rebates and kind of and clothes washer rebates and all those various rebates and I think that they have had their success in the past 
Um, and we still have those uh, those rebates available. Pretty much every water agency would have some form of rebate. Um, but I think we've probably reached a bit of a, so to speak, saturation uh, on a lot of those uh, programs. So I think now uh, we need to uh, kind of focus on, you know, t- to my mind, uh, you guys were talking about education before, really getting a, a, getting a message out. And, and I think we've done this very successfully, definitely at Monta Vista Water District and our surrounding regional partners, that, you know, there's a water ethic. There's, a, there's an appropriate way to use water. We're all learning how to do it better and better. Uh, you never arrive, so to speak. Uh, it's just like anything with education. You're always in a learner mode. But, um, you know, we want to help customers be as efficient as possible to increase their efficiency as they can do so to find ways to help them do that. But really, there's also, if, if customers know the right thing to do and can afford to do it, we ask them, you know, please, please do it on their own. Uh, don't wait for the rebate. Don't wait to you know for someone else to pay you to do it. If you know the right thing to do and you can afford to do so, that that is the best thing to do, and that can help uh, maybe uh, reserve our our limited dollars for incentives uh, to really offer for those who really you know know what to do but don't quite have the the financial means uh, to to be able to do that. And so I think that's where we're going to have to move in the near term. I know Agreed. the state of California. Yeah, the state of California is pushing the water suppliers to uh, even try to get to achieve a, a better, uh, you know, better rate of water distribution, meaning, meaning they want to get down to 30 gallons per capita per day, and, and that's going to be tough. I know Irvine uh, made a speech at one of the uh, meetings that they had and, and talked about the millions of dollars they spent to get to the level they get to. And, you know, if, if it gets down to really low usage of water, you know, they still have to pay people through the operation of the, of the, uh, the water distribution and, and cleaning and all of that. Uh, how do you see that going to come down? Uh, because, the, you know, Irvine's a big, Irvine Ranch, I'm just using them as an example because they have a lot of money and they have a lot of big customers. But what do you, what do, you do when you, you tell them, hey, you got to reduce 25%? And they did that. Now they want them to do even more, and, and but then that takes away dollars from the water agency unless the next next round is raise up the rates. How do you see that? Yes, well, it it, it is a, a common uh, issue and problem, and Irvine is probably expressed it as better than any agency I can think of, and they've really led the way on efficiency programs. We learned a lot, a great deal from them. We adopted uh, budget rates uh, uh, and. Uh, uh, after seeing uh, this, their success back in uh, 2010, and they've been very successful for our district. So there's there's ways of uh, of achieving efficiency, but then there's also potentially unrealistic expectations uh, uh, that uh, you know proposed regulations coming out of the state right now that I think all water agencies are concerned with and are seeking to assist uh, to uh, to to uh, revise so that they're so that so that they're achievable and can really achieve uh, a, a reasonable, efficient use of water without um, uh, requiring a, a, a huge change in our landscapes in just, you know, 10 to 15 years. That is really not, we're not able to achieve, uh, at least in our, in our cur- with our current uh, financial resources. So I think uh, they're absolutely on the right track, and I know that we're working very closely with our state partners to come up with uh, the best uh, approach for permanent regulations that are efficiency-based, but are also based on what we actually can achieve 
uh, and what we can expect our customers uh, uh, to do in a, rel- in a relatively short time frame. Uh, the original proposal would have, requ- would have required, uh, boy, millions upon millions of square feet of uh, turf to be uh, removed and at a pace that, uh, you know, we, we just don't have enough money to incentivize people to do that. Our customers don't have enough money to, to implement all of that uh, landscape change in such a small amount of time. So we need a kind of a game plan for what we can actually achieve with our available resources. Yeah, I know. You probably, you probably uh, 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 go ahead, Chris. No, Rob, I was just going to ask, I, as uh, Justin, I'll tell you, I managed the chat borders as, as the show's going on here. So I've got a couple of um, listeners inquiring, what about some projects that uh, Monte Vista Water District is doing pretty much centered around recycled water, reused, effluent, non-potable, that kind of stuff you got in the last couple of minutes we've got. Can you kind of round up that for us? Yes, there, uh, non-potable reuse, uh, uh, indirect and, and, and soon direct, is, is, a, is a very active area. We've been uh, reu- reusing, recycling a, a tree wastewater for a long time. Uh, we've uh, implemented a direct uh, a distribution system, a separate distribution system for uh, treated uh, wastewater, recycled water for landscape irrigation purposes, and we have uh, 18 uh, uh, connections on that system. It's a relatively small system, but we're we're proud of it uh, in partnership with the city of Montclair and the conservation district uh, as well. Uh, more regionally, it's a very robust program and it's growing. Uh, they're looking at advanced treatment in the near-term future. Uh, so there's, there's, there's much more to come on that, but we've been doing it for quite a bit. Perfect. Thank you. Uh, uh, we're at the end of our show. We have to turn it over uh, Justin, thank you very, very much. Chris Austin, thank you very much. Got a good pick. You got a good, good winner here with that. We're waiting to hear the, uh, the book review. Thank you, uh, Justin, for being on our show. We appreciate it. All right, thank you. Thank you. We'll, yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for listening in. And remember what we always say please help keep our planet blue. blue. And while you're doing that, you can't do it unless you have blue. So have a good weekend and remember that. Thanks. NBC News on KCAA Loma Linda, sponsored by Teamsters Local 1932, protecting the future of working families, Teamsters1932.org. NBC News Radio. 